Hello everyone, welcome to The Art of Flourishing. My name is Lauren and today we are joined by my friend Erica. Erica Knoll has had several health challenges that knocked her off her feet and also has faced several health challenges with her children. So natural medicine, alternative therapies have led to the best outcome every time and as she has spent many years researching and implementing these holistic approaches. By doing this, she's also developed skills in advocacy for herself and others, supporting health with natural medicine and nutrition, and creating a healing home. Erica lives in California with her seven, with her husband and seven children. She has a bachelor's degree in comparative literature, is a best-selling author, editor, and publisher with Take the Reins Publishing. She is also a certified nutrition coach, specializing in plast- plant based nutrition and is a wellness coach she loves baking sourdough bread preparing delicious plant-based meals gardening animals music dancing reading homeschooling and playing board games with her kids thank you so much for joining us today erica thank you so much for having me lauren i am happy to be here all I want to say up front is that I think that a dinner party at your house sounds like a really good time. <laughs> Anytime I see someone say, like, you led with, like, the, these are the things that um, Erica loves to do. Number one, bake sourdough bread. And I'm like, what a coincidence. My favorite thing to do is to eat sourdough bread. <laughs> I think I I don't think I've met someone who doesn't like sourdough bread. <laughs> well, I would be I would love to have a full conversation with someone who does not like sourdough bread. Like that I mean, anyway, <laughs> that's not what we I just really love eating. Um and I really love eating good food and so it sounds like you you're really good at that. Well, I I do love it and one of my favorite things to do when cooking is bring my kids into it and have them cook with me. I'm not one of those people that likes to go into the kitchen by myself. I like having a big group of people with me. I like to say, you do this, you do this, and we can talk and laugh while we do it. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay, this is really off topic, but how... All right, so this is going to help. I think this is going to help every mother listening. I have a nine-year-old who is getting really good around the kitchen and she's a joy yeah she's a joy to have in the kitchen with me because I could just say chop this up do this whatever my seven-year-old is getting there um he is also a little bit um intimidated by like sometimes by the heat or a knife or whatever and then Mm -hmm. I have and so he's got he holds back a little and then my three-year-old is it's like cooking with a really confident drunk person (laughs) like I don't know how, it's just, (laughs) she, in her, like her favorite phrase these days is me do it, me do it, me do it, Mm -hmm. and don't help me, don't help me, and it's Mm -hmm. just really tough when flames and heat and blades and like eggs and mess and everything are involved so like what is your this is just for free everybody like what is your (laughs) um pro tip for navigating that really frustrating drunk toddler kitchen helper (laughs) phase like I want her to be there I mean I love that Uh my oldest is like you know, making pancakes and frying eggs and things. Um, it's just mm-hmm. really 
frustrating to have Illy in the kitchen most times. Like, <laughs> speaking as someone who has dealt with this, like, today, how 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 do you navigate that? Um, so in my kitchen, I actually designed it very intentionally where I put things. And one of the things I've done is put, now my kids are older now, but I, I still have these things in the same place. Grandkids may come in a few years, you know? So, <laughs> so I have Tupperware down low and that is something that always helped me with the little ones when I was cooking myself or with older ones is I would give them assignments to stack the Tupperware or to measure things, simple things that sometimes had to do with the recipe or sometimes didn't, um, measure with measuring cups into a bowl or something. And let me tell you, everyone, especially toddlers, loves to mix sourdough because you get to a point where you have to mix it with your hands and it's Mm -hmm. super sticky and you get it everywhere and it's fabulous. (laughs) okay so basically what you're saying is i need a plan for when we're in the kitchen together so that she has something that she can do and enjoy doing and not feel like she's been like pushed to the corners of the kitchen so we can get on okay the other night yeah the other night we were making a a broccoli dish together or my oldest daughter was making her favorite broccoli dish and turned around Mm -hmm. to, to to wash something or something and came back to find Ellie dousing the broccoli with some other spice that she had taken out of the kitchen. <laughs> like, like literally, it wasn't salt, thankfully, but it was intense. Um, and she was just like, I'm helping. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Giving the jobs ahead of time, saying you're in charge of this. This is very important. You're in charge of this specific thing. And then also having some alternative things on the side that, or even learning to fold napkins, something like that to help set the table, to get ready for dinner. Okay. She'd go those for are, that. Those she are loves fun doing that. things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel ready now. Thank you. Like I was like, I was like, wait a second, seven kids in the kitchen, please I just stop right there because that sounds like a superpower. Um, I am a, con- like I really am a control freak and, um, those moments are like you know like I know the right answer is to lean into them because Mm -hmm. I need to let go like I know that about myself and I I know that it's something that is gonna probably be a lifelong journey for me but that like in the the stress of needing something done by a certain time or um (laughs) like I'm way less idealistic at 6 30 in the evening when everyone's hungry than I am right now um okay cool Uh so Thank you for that. That was awesome. Um, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I So we, uh, Erica, for those of you um, who don't know, is a contributing author to the Art of Flourishing book uh, collaboration collection um, in the Courage Dear Heart book. And so she's uh, submitted a chapter sharing um, her story of courage with us. And Erica, I was wondering if you would be so kind as to just share with us like what does courage mean to you how do you define courage like when you're saying something to yourself like I need to be brave right now like what does that look like what does it feel like 
Um, what kind of words or definitions do you kind of ascribe to that word? Well, um, to me, courage means stepping up and taking action, even when it's difficult, scary, uh, time-consuming. Um, it means maybe taking a different path than your friends or family when you have found a piece of truth that you know in your heart is right. Um, it can mean not giving up when it seems you're on a losing side. Um, it can mean standing up for what you believe is right, even if you stand alone, even if others are tearing you down for it. Um, it can also mean finding answers, just taking the time to find answers when you need them and accepting answers that are hard to swallow. Hmm. That's, oh, that's a lot. Hindsight, yeah, it is. Hindsight is really amazing. Right. Um, and courage is not easy. Yeah. It can push you out of your comfort zone in a way that you never thought possible. I, like the more people I'm speaking to around this topic about courage specifically, like I am really, I guess, I feel very confronted actually by how almost on opposite ends of the spectrum courage and comfort are, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of the, yep. like what I keep <laughs> hearing, um, at least for myself. So like I, Lauren's world is like, I have whatever I'm doing on the outside world, whoever I'm speaking to in the inside world. And then I've got inner world Lauren, like who converses with me while I'm conversing, like with you or anyone else. And, uh, what I heard, you know, like what came up for me when you were describing your definition of courage was like, I just had my still small voice going like, Lauren, you need to know what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. And knowing what your priorities are makes courage. I don't know about easier, but it it helps you choose your battles or it helps you know when it's time to be mm-hmm. brave, you know, to put your courage pants on. Um mm-hmm. And like, I think that when we don't know what our priorities are, when we don't know what really matters to us, we don't know what our values are, right? Like when we don't know what we value, mm-hmm. um, then I think that we lose, like we lose the, the why behind doing the uncomfortable thing or putting up yeah. with the uncomfortable truth or, yeah. um, feeling like you may be on the you know like wrong side of the winning team you know like you're staying on what mm-hmm. feels like a societal or cultural losing team um mm-hmm. but being able to hang on to your values and your priorities and the truth that you've kind of unearthed through life and being able to i guess maybe stay in integrity is another way of putting it um mm-hmm. And that you need, I think we, I think we need a lot, a lot of courage for integrity. Yeah. For sure. That, that actually is one word, one word that I love. Um, and I have found that I can have integrity when I'm being courageous. <laughs> like it, it goes hand in hand. 
So being courageous means you're having integrity because you're standing up for what you believe in that sense. But then flip flop, um, when I'm having, when I have integrity, I'm usually needing to be courageous around that integrity. Right. So. Right. And so I think maybe we can tell a lot about the people around us based on the moments in their lives that they choose courage around. Mm-hmm. And I think also like when we understand the difference, I'm, and I think it depends culturally, like it could be a bit weird, but like when we understand that courage is an act of vulnerability, right? Like at its core, it's willing to be, to stand alone at its core. Mm-hmm. It's willing to be misunderstood. Um, not having control over the outcome right like (laughs) um but doing the right thing anyway because that's it's it's just the right thing right um yeah and it's when courage is more about like no this is about me being able to stay in my integrity than it is about like trying to manipulate (laughs) the world around me right like when courage is deeply personal um and about you doing what's right versus mm-hmm. trying to force other people to be right or do the, you know, whatever it is. Like, right. I, th- I think, right. you know, like I think there can be, I think there can sometimes be a, a, a misunderstanding of like sometimes when people do manipulative, violent things in the name of courage, right? Like, um, yeah. and hurt other people really um, and then call it courage. But I, I, I think what I'm I, what I'm trying to say is that when I watch someone be brave in the truest sense of the word, not for like for their convictions, for their values, for mm-hmm. the people that they love, for love, period. Um, right. I think we and get... courage isn't loud either. It doesn't have to be loud and out in your face. Courage can be very mm. quiet. Yeah. And just just knowing what you are going to do regardless of what anyone else thinks is courage. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's quiet. It can be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be. Sometimes yeah. it needs to be loud, but sometimes it's better quiet. It just depends yeah. on the situation. Yeah. And like having the wisdom to discern you know, mm-hmm. um, in those moments as well, I think is is really something that I guess we can only learn from exercising our courage and figuring out what is an appropriate way to do this in this moment versus another. Yes, experience is a great teacher. Um, what is one, like in writing your chapter and sharing your story and your family story with like essentially the world, um, which is a very brave act, um what what is one life lesson or wisdom or like soul treasure i guess that you want to leave with or share with whoever's reading your story what is the one thing like the the nugget that you're hoping that they take away um well after engaging with you through the book okay um you kind of alluded to it earlier um basically Anyone can overcome fear when the stakes are high enough, when you have a big enough why 
um, for me, that was my inner mama bear coming out, protecting my kids. Um, you can stand up for what you believe in and overcome that fear no matter what. When you have that inner fire that is just waiting to be protective. For me, it was being protective. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can be a voice for others. You can make change in the world when you're courageous enough to stand up and use your voice for good. And it, it all comes down to that why you can overcome any fear, any anxiety that you have and stand up and make a difference and stand up and use your voice if you have that, that why inside. Do you think that there's an element of selflessness and courage that makes it, that makes, like, do you think selflessness makes courage easier? I think so. Um, When I'm thinking over any time in my life that I feel like I was courageous, it was usually, it usually had nothing to do with me. And it had everything to do with helping or protecting or doing something for someone else that they couldn't do for themselves. So, yeah, I guess being selfless is part of that. I never thought of it that way, but yeah. And, and you can be courageous and stand up for yourself when you need to as well. For me, it's, easier to stand up for other Mm. people (laughs) yeah I think I think what I'm thinking about right now is you know the the I guess the sliding scale of value you know and like when when something is really valuable enough Mm -hmm. to you that it if when it means enough to you how galvanizing that is um to do the scary thing and I think like I think of my own Mm -hmm. journey I the the moments of courage that I think for me um the the times in my life I've had to be most brave were in my for my own self-interest um Mm -hmm. or for self-protection or um I guess standing guard over my own integrity and my own value and I and like I know in my life you know standing up for other people maybe on the outside looked really brave. It it came so naturally to me as a people pleaser, right? (laughs) That Mm -hmm. like actually for me to stand up for the sake of other people, to be selfless for the sake of others, to put myself second for the sake of other people, most of the time was actually not brave because it was the cop out for me. you know like in those moments in those in in a lot of the moments that people would look at me and go wow Lauren that was so brave like I could say uh it was actually that was actually the easy way out for me like in that moment and like the the harder braver moments of my life have been the moments I have to say like there is only like the only person who can show up for me right now is me like there is no one else Mm -hmm. like I can't wait for someone else I can't hold out for the hero as Bonnie Tyler invites us to do, you know, like it, it it has to be, it's like, it's me or it's no one. And, um, like, yeah, like not delegating that, but it just, I think it's just very interesting how, you know, I think each of us are called to different adventures and different roads, um, Mm -hmm. have different challenges, you know? And like, for some of us, we do need to be pushed out 
into into courage for the sake of the people around of us, around us. Um, mm-hmm. And some of us need to be pushed out into courage for the sake of ourselves. And I, I know for me, the turning point when it came to courage for myself was like, I didn't have to learn to be brave. I had to learn to care about myself. Does that make sense? Or like, yeah, I had to learn. I had to realize how valuable I am and that the work Mm -hmm. the work wasn't necessarily in the area of courage it was in the area of meaning and value um yeah and thinking differently about things um like redefining selflessness versus selfishness redefining um I guess myself and also figuring out what my values are as well um, mm-hmm. and what integrity meant to me. Right. Yeah. And for me, the overcoming, um, overcoming fear to stand up for myself did actually come first. Yeah. And, and then when I needed it to stand up for someone else, I oh, had it. I love that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, I, I don't talk about, like, I actually wrote in another book and I talked about one of those situations where I had to stand up for myself. Um, and and then this one I'm talking about, my kids, standing up for my kids. And so I, I, that's kind of a theme with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's so important. It's so important to be able to stand up in your convictions even when you think you're alone and sometimes you think you're alone and maybe you are alone when you're speaking and then people come up to you later. Oh, thank you so much because I feel the same way, but they don't want to stand up. And Mm -hmm. so you may think you're alone. You may have naysayers, but there will be people that hear your message and internalize it because they're feeling the same way or they're having the same issue or something along those lines. And so a lot of times when we feel like we're alone, we're not really, we just may not know who else is standing with us silently. Mm. Yeah. And I think uh, what, this is the irony, like, Oh, this is one of the ways that I feel like courage and belonging and, purpose and like calling I guess I would say like all kind of connect to each other um Mm -hmm. but I think like one of the ironies of belonging is that you need to be able to belong to yourself first and like Mm -hmm. it it really is in those moments that and in those seasons where you consolidate who you are consolidate what matters to you consolidate what you will or will not tolerate in your life that Mm -hmm. you it's in the act of solitude or the, I guess maybe even just the willingness to bear solitude that Mm -hmm. you start to find your people, Um, you know, and it's almost like an initiation, like initiation into belonging is alone, (laughs) aloneness um, or the willingness to be alone. Um, And I think that it's, it's, I don't think we have enough stories about this in our culture. I don't think we have enough archetypes to go, oh, that's what I'm experiencing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, the, the willingness to stand alone in your convictions and your values and to, 
to be to be brave enough to be who you are um is really like one of the most profoundly impacting uh passageways to belonging well I think it's the only one actually I think it's the only pathway to true belonging like we can belong when we meet other people's expectations we can can belong when we conform to other people's ideals or standards or whatever but the belonging that happens. Uh, yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, but the belonging that happens where you are just you, um, not for what you do, not for who you are, not for, even for where you are. Um, mm-hmm. What you uh, that, that that there is the, the passageway of solitude or the the initiation of solitude. I think happens before then. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I wanted to know from you, what is a when we we're talking, the podcast is the art of flourishing, and I um, want to know from you, like, what does flourishing look like to you in your everyday life? So, like, give us a glimpse into a moment of any part of the day where you take a deep breath into whatever's happening around you or in you in that moment, and you're like, "Oh man, this is what this life is about." What does that look like for you? Um, flourishing, let's see, for me, it means being in a place myself where I can build and lift others, um, where I can take what I've learned and I can share it with others, um, Mm. where I can take the knowledge and the thought process and processes that go with that and turn it into wisdom that is helpful and help move people forward. Uh, my, one of my favorite things to do is to talk one-on-one on the phone or face-to-face with others that are facing hard things or having issues. And in some way, I'm able to help them. It means the world to me when I can see positive changes because of something I shared with them. Um, so, Flourishing to me is having myself in a place where I can help others. Mm, I love that. Okay. Like, I just like, I need to do a whole deep dive into that. Like that is, yeah. I think like when I think about flourishing, I can't help but think of um, gardening or Mm -hmm. plant life and how like when we talk about fruitfulness, we're talking about like, like when trees blossom and then go to fruit or when you're growing food in your garden like the whole point is to share nourishment or even if it's just beauty Mm -hmm. with those around you and like I think that's a huge it's a it's such a great overlooked um component of what it means to be flourishing as a human being Yes, and you're speaking my language because (laughs) I love gardening. And when you're talking about the fruit, the first thing that has to be nourished is the roots. Yeah. You have to be nourished yourself so that then you can give fruit. Yeah. If the roots are not nourished, a plant will not give fruit. And the same with us. Yeah. We have to be nourished. Yeah. Ourselves. I think so often, yeah, I think so often we, I mean, we want what you just described as your, your, your definition of flourishing, right? Like that's, we, 
and we I think we push us like we expend our energy and push ourselves and force ourselves to be givers before mm-hmm. we've learned how to properly and appropriately receive and like oh, I I recently read um it's called belonging back to ourselves and I'm probably not saying the right title but it's Toko Pa Turner and she shares the same analogy of plant life and she Mm -hmm. talks about the act like the most important part of a plant is its root system Mm -hmm. right and that a plant can live or die based on what's happening beneath the soil and that the whole the what makes or breaks the root system is its ability to receive its ability mm-hmm. to absorb nourishment its ability to to be a res- receptacle of goodness from the soil around it mm-hmm. and i think like we're not talking about selfishness we're talking about our capacity to receive love um yeah. and anyway that's awesome yes you're also speaking my language Totally, th- totally here <laughs> for that. Um, okay. The last thing that I wanted to ask you was about your own personal flourishing toolkit. And so what I'm wanting to do for each episode is as we talk to each of our guests, um, we have an imaginary flourishing toolkit over here at The Art of Flourishing. And I'm asking each and every one of our guests to share or contribute their one of their favorite soul nourishing practices or whatever you would consider like a, a tool for flourishing that has changed your life and so I was wondering if you'd be so kind to leave us with like what is the one tool for flourishing that you'd like to kind of share with us at the art of flourishing oh yes the first thing that pops into my mind is reading reading is my favorite thing to do I graduated in literature, so obviously I've loved reading my whole life. Um, And the things I've learned from reading just have helped me take action with confidence. They've helped me stand on solid ground. Um, They've helped me think, helped me reason, have filled my soul with knowledge, with love, with beauty that I can take and share with everything, with with everyone around me. Reading every day is a must for me and a variety of reading. So I, I love how-to books. I love self-development. I love great literature from the past. I love spiritual literature. And then I even like fluff every now and then. And my kids laugh because I'm always telling them not to read so much fluff. <laughs> and that would be just, you know, light stuff that you get through fast it's just fun fun reading but sometimes fluff is nice for a break um, yeah. because because we need breaks sometimes but I love getting into the meat and potatoes and learning or having a book that makes me really think about people or relationships or or anything else making me think and learn those those are my favorites I love that and it sounds like a balanced diet to me so Um, Erica thank you so much for your time thank you so much for sharing your soul treasure with us today Um, I'm so thankful to know you I'm so thankful for your story for your courage in sharing your story um, and all the uh, ways that you've made this project what it is thank you so much 